welcome uh, Ramon and Rebecca. Let's give them a hand. We're glad that you guys are here. We are excited to hear what God is doing in your lives. And uh, we're going to listen. it, but at least there's a still a little bit of view. That's my only mountain. Otherwise, it's just apartment buildings and, you know, houses. And so I, when we're in, we've been staying in the Newport area. And, and so I'm like, this is like, you know, this is where I grew up, the mountains. But still going over Flowery Trail into Chihuahua, I just remembered being sitting here in this church and people coming to speak, missionaries coming to speak and saying, this is God's country. This is so beautiful. And I'd be like, hmm. Yeah, this is where I live. And just coming through the mountains again, I'm like, come on, even the rocks are different here. They're not like they are over on the Newport side, on the other side of the mountain. This, and, you know, this is where I snowboarded. This is where I skied. It's home. It's just there's a place where your home is, where you've grown up. And so I just wanted to just share that this morning, that it's just always such a blessing to come home, to be in this body, to be with you, whether we know you personally or not, and, I, and now I'm finding I have to ask a lot more with everything going on in my life that I am just, I might know you for years, and I have to ask your name again because <laughs> everything is just, there's just so much going on in our lives, but it, it, it is the body of Christ that we are able to even be here to share, to um, be able to have this beautiful worship time and see the, sing these songs in spirit and in truth because of your, of your prayers for us. That is what is keeping us through, and so we just want to say a big thank you for that this morning. So, yeah, um, you might know us, you might not know us, but I know you guys have been praying for us for sure. So uh, if you've been praying for somebody you didn't know how they look like, that's probably us. There are a lot of things happening in our last six months, and that's what we're going to share uh, with you uh, uh, today. But uh, it, it does feel, this church does feel like home a lot. Uh, um, yeah, you were, uh, this church was the first church who started supporting me like 21 years ago, uh, the, you know, young Ukrainian missionary. Uh, also, yeah, uh, I stole a girl from this church. <laughs> also, 20. Actually, she stole my heart, and that took me a few years to convince her to marry me. She still has it, by the way. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's really good to be here with you guys. And so um, last six, seven months were really, really hard, right? It was... Uh, I mean, right now, if you listen news uh, <coughs> about Ukraine, <coughs> there's a war in my country, and uh, pr prior to that, we had a personal experience that, you know, kind of put us a little bit out of ministry. Um, yeah, so I'm going to put it all on you guys, so <laughs> prepare yourself. 
um, uh, but you know, uh, so uh, I, as I was preparing for this, I thought, you know, what is the best way to kind of reflect on the hard times that we go through, right? What is the best way to figure out what is God doing in your life? And, you know, in my opinion, it's, you know, to try and look through the Bible and see how God was working with people in the Bible in the same or close circumstances and see, is it applicable to me? And so kind of this, you know, my preaching, a lot of it is going to be more maybe reflection through the scriptures, reflection upon what's happening in Ukraine, what's happening in our lives. So if you have your Bibles, you can open Acts 16, 6. <coughs> And it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province, province of Asia. So, you know, this verse is not kind of like deep or something like this. There's no much profound truth in it, but there's this little story behind it uh, which kind of might open this up for us. And uh, the story is, Paul has desired to preach the gospel, right? He is stationed in the church in Antioch, and he does these missionary trips. He goes a little bit around Antioch, preaches, has success. Then he tries to expand and preach, you know, farther from Antioch, and churches are being planted, gospel spreading, everything is good. But then he comes to a point where God tells him to stop, right? He said, stop, don't preach the gospel, <coughs> It's kind of like strange, you know, it seems like that's what he's called for. And, you know, why did, did God stop him, right? We do not know exact answer to that. But when we read farther in Acts, we can see that maybe God was preparing him for something, for something bigger, right? Uh, Paul saw himself as a missionary, but he traveled throughout the Asia. But after this time of waiting, after this time of maybe preparation, uh, God takes him to a different continent. Uh, after this uh, part of Acts, uh, God takes Paul to Europe, and Paul uh, plants his first European church uh, in Philippi there. So maybe God was setting everything up uh, for the gospel to truly spread worldwide, outside of contains of Asia where Paul was preaching. And actually, that's what made Paul a preacher to the world, right? He l really stepped out of contains of Asia. So when we came to U.S., you know, we thought uh, uh, we're going to stay here for a month because Rebecca was sick. And they thought, you know, or maybe a couple months and we'll go back, uh, uh, you know, to uh, Ukraine. Uh, but then, you know, we heard that Rebecca had a tumor in her pancreas. And so that put everything on hold for us and for our ministry. Uh, so we have to wait. We have to wait. And that's where we kind of are personally. So second point that I was thinking about, um, uh, I will tell you a little story about uh, a school I was running in Ukraine. It's School of Biblical Studies. Well, it's Biblical Core Course. It's a shorter version of School of Biblical Studies. So I was praying about the theme for that school. And, you know, um, I was thinking about what this school should be about. And, uh, you know, God put in my heart this, you know, well-known scripture. I think you guys should know it by memory. It's Deuteronomy 1.6. Anybody? I'm just kidding. It's actually, <laughs> probably you never heard of it because it seems to be bypassing as well the scripture. Uh, I will read uh, from Deuteronomy 1, 6 through 8 for context, and then I'll tell you the story behind that as well. And um, you guys can open it up uh, if you have Bibles or you can turn them on. So, uh, and it says, The Lord our God said to us at Horeb, 
You have stayed long enough at this mountain. Break camp and advance into the hill country of Amorites. Go to all the neighboring peoples in Arabah, in the mountains, in the western foothills, in the Negev, and along the coast to the land of Canaanites and to Lebanon, as far as the great river, uh, the Euphrates. See, I have given you this land. Go in and take possession of the land the Lord swore he would give to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to their descendants after them. So uh, the situation with Israel at that time was they were about to enter the promised land, right? They captured some land east of Jordan uh, as uh, like 12 tribes, and they were actually quite happy there. And in a sense, they had to go through the time of waiting and preparation themselves as well. But that was not what God prepared for them, right? The promised land actually laid on the other side of Jordan. Uh, and, uh, and even though they were comfortable uh, in, you know, on the east side, uh, God told them to go beyond uh, into the land that he promised uh, Abraham. And it was a challenge. You can imagine it was way bigger land. It was humongous land. There were still enemies living there, right? Uh, and uh, it was not far, it's not a far-fetched idea to think that some tribes actually wanted to stay in this comfortable place uh, uh, but God told them, yeah, you can stay, but you still have to go and fight and then come back. So God had something for Paul, you know, beyond Asia. God had something for Israel uh, beyond uh, Jordan as well. And uh, I believe God has something for us after this period of waiting uh, and for my country as well. But we do have to go through this time of struggle, you know, fighting and praying and waiting. Uh, you know, we're kind of like Paul hanging out uh, in, in this, you know, city somewhere in Asia. We're hanging out in Newport waiting when God's going to tell us to move. Um, however, we are not just staying, right? We still are trying to do our ministry. Uh, your, ch your church supports us, and so we feel responsible, you know, to tell you what we're doing still. So uh, I'm continuing teaching the Bible, uh, um, uh, Whenever I have opportunity, I just taught three days on the book of Genesis in the biblical, uh, in school of biblical studies in Detroit. And it was fun. And also I figured out that I'm really old at that time because I said, any of you remember uh, what Soviet Union is? Because I was born in Soviet Union. And yeah, maybe two hands were <laughs> raised. Like, what is Soviet Union? So I figured out that I'm like from the previous century. Um, uh, we also spoke in multiple churches talking about Ukraine and trying to rally people up, uh, you know, to help Ukraine, Ukrainian churches and refugees at this time. Uh, I also had the opportunity to, to preach uh, over Zoom in Ternopil, which for me, uh, it was a big privilege. And uh, it is really hard to preach to a church in a country that has a war. I can tell you that from a personal experience. Uh, I started my preaching by moment of silence because uh, to honor everybody who died so far in the war. Uh, we also help our base uh, uh, in Ternopil, this was a mission base that we work with um, uh, as much as we can from this side. I'm responsible for communication uh, on Facebook uh, uh, for the base and I also oversee right now, uh, uh, I'm a language advisor for the Bible project, Ukrainian uh, part of it. So we keep busy as much as we can uh, in trying to do what God, God called us to do while we're in this time of waiting. So, and, uh, you know, sharing a little bit about, you know, our personal journey for this last, last six 
months. Um, so I, as I said, I was preparing in September, I was preparing the school to, ru to run a school called Biblical Core Course. Uh, it's, uh, it started in September and end of September last year. And, you know, we started really well. We had six students um, all eager to study the Word of God in Ukraine. Uh, and about a month, everything was fine. And then COVID literally took, like, all of us out for a while. Uh, and, you know, it's okay. We took pause. But then, you know, slowly students started recovering. I recovered. We were thinking, like, okay, we'll continue on. But Rebecca developed uh, bleeding, internal bleeding during that time. And so she had to be admitted in a hospital to the hospital in Ukraine. And uh, Ukrainian healthcare is much different than American. Uh, I spent literally from 8 o'clock in the morning until 8 o'clock in the evening uh, by the hospital because, uh, uh, you know, it's a social healthcare. So I had to buy all the medicine that Rebecca needed to. So I would wait for a doctor to come out, tell me what to buy. I would go buy it in the pharmacy, bring so Rebecca would get a treatment. Then I would have to wait until, you know, he comes back. And so I would just come home, you know, sleep, then go back to Rebecca. Uh, and after Rebecca was released from the hospital, uh, uh, doctors told us just one thing. We did not know wha what caused the bleeding. We did not know what, you know, exactly happened. And the doctors in Ukraine said, just as soon as you can, get back to the United States. So... Uh, uh, you know, we waited for a few weeks until Rebecca got better uh, enough, uh, better enough uh, to fly to United States. Uh, we got, um, yeah, we got to United States, and uh, when we got to United States, uh, we find out that Rebecca had advanced endocrine tumor in her pancreas, lesion on her liver, pancreatic lymph node infiltration in her stomach, which was blocking splenic artery, which caused the bleeding. So we were devastated. You know, we knew it was dangerous. Uh, we knew it means meant changes for our ministry. We knew that it probably would change our lives. Uh, when we left Ukraine, like I said before, we left everything behind. We literally took our just one suitcase for five of us when we were traveling because uh, we thought, oh, we're just going to get to the United States. Rebecca going to get fixed, and we'll go back. Uh, that didn't happen. Uh, but more than anything, you know, we left uh, back there is, you know, our friends who are us closest family to us, our ministry with Youth with the Mission, our church, uh, which we're part of leadership, and I'm uh, an elder of the church as well. Um, so that was, yeah, that was really, really hard. But we also knew that God was with us all the way, um, you know, and he was showing us his favor um, throughout all this experience. Uh, I'll give you a few examples. So, uh, uh, you know, when I started uh, taking care of Rebecca, obviously I couldn't run the school the way I would want to the uh, biblical core course in Ternopole. Uh But a lady from Viva Montana, our friendly kind of, our uh, like base that we have relationship with, excuse me, <coughs> a lady from that base, she uh, decided on her own to come out without me even asking, and she plugged in into the school immediately with no like change to the flow of the school. So we were able to finish the school even though I wasn't able to uh, 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 to be involved as much as I uh, wanted to. There were also a lot of coincidences, right? You know, what I'm talking about again and again in our lives. So when, when we were in the hospital, Rebecca was admitted, she had to do surgery. Uh, and so uh, the guy who was pre 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 preparing Rebecca for the surgery, his name was Roman like my name, and he was from Ukraine. 
okay. Uh, and then uh, the uh, head nurse for that night in a hospital was from Ternopil, from the city we were on, right? And then uh, the another nurse that like took care a lot of Rebecca, she had a few shifts with her. She actually is attending uh, Calvary Chapel Church in Spokane, which that's what we're wor who we're working with uh, in Ternopil, right? So uh, there was a lot, a lot of things that, uh, you know, God was showing that he's with us through this process, that he is working with us. And so that was kind of giving us peace. And, uh, you know, uh, I guess that we can, we, ha we have hope to go through this. So, and also, do you, do you feel like you want to share? And Rebecca will share a little bit about her experience as well. Yeah, so uh, in this process it was, um, yeah, there were a lot of different things going on where we did have to trust the Lord and we did see what, that he was um, just so faithful to us. And one of the things that was has been difficult for me to share but is just an incredible example and I want to share it because it is, you know, all of us, we are not the only people who are going through these difficult things. We recognize that everyone in this body <laughs> probably has some difficult things that are happening or in in life and God he does things and he allows things in order to draw us closer to himself and so in this process of what we had been going through because I had had a couple blood transfusions and just was feeling really weak someone offered they had been trying to get us to go on a trip and I and actually up until this point I think just the last time we shared I was actually able to say that it was a trip to Hawaii because I didn't even want to say that because the country we were at is at war and even before the country Ukraine was at war we were asked someone wanted to bless us with this trip and I said I, there's no way I can even think about it I'm just physically I don't want to travel anywhere I feel horrible I cannot do this and then when war started I for sure didn't want to go because here I am talking to my friend who there she's sharing her room with she's in her room with her family of five in one room because their house is full of refugees and I'm crying with her like how can I say yes to go on this trip that you that this you know we're being encouraged to go on and as we prayed Ramon and I we felt like yes we were supposed to do this and so we went on this trip and when I the first day we got there I was just sobbing and crying because I'm like how can I be in this place that and I never actually wanted I'd never even studied anything about usually if I go to a place I want to study it beforehand I know the language or a little bit about the language I knew nothing about Hawaii it's not even a place I had ever wanted to go <laughs> and um, not that I didn't want to go there but it is like paradise <laughs> and so I just was like how can I be in paradise when the people I love so much are almost like I'm sorry I'm emotional but it really close to I mean we can't even compare and don't know what separation from God and hell is like but the, if you read and know what's going on there, it's horrible, horrible experiences that's going on. And so I was just spending this time just, you know, weeping. And the first, you know, a couple of days we didn't even go anywhere. We were just in the place we're at and our kids were fine. Like, okay, you guys, <laughs> let's go somewhere and do something. We were just, I think, just glad not to be going to a doctor's appointment. And so um, 
And we went on this, we looked up on you know Google because we hadn't planned or prepared anything, and we prepared this uh, trip. And one thing I did know is I wanted to see a rainbow, but that's one thing I looked at the weather, and there w it wasn't supposed to rain, so I knew I wasn't going to see a rainbow. And so I just, I love rainbows, and I thought that would be really cool, God's promises. And so we went on this trip, and when we got to the place where we were supposed to go to this park, there was literally a handwritten sign that said, Google Maps is wrong, and this is not the entrance to the park. And so, <laughs> you know, being the adventurers we are, we just, you know, and the Wyoming base, there was a, a Wyoming base that had actually been on outreach in Ternopil. They had to be evacuated because of the war. And so they had met us with a car and groceries and, I mean, other people blessed with groceries. It was just a really sweet, blessed time that people blessed us with. But... He had written, because they had mentioned some stuff maybe we could do, and I said, we were driving along, and they said, I had just got the message, because I said, oh, I think this car's great, because they wanted us to go up this really high mountain. He wanted us to switch cars, and he had just sent the message that said, well, you probably shouldn't take that car, because the brakes might not be that great. <laughs> and we were driving, you know, up this long road. And, but, so we, we kept going. The kids were like, let's go. And, and I was getting nervous because I got the message about the brakes, and we decided to turn around, and we stopped at this place that we weren't expecting to go, and uh, we there was a bunch of cars there, and so we said, what is this? And they said, yeah, you shouldn't have gone on that road because everyone told us that road is dangerous. And we walked down this place, and there was this thing called a blowhole, and it, every time the water would go in it, it would blow up, and every time the water came up, there was a rainbow. <laughs> and Ramon said, Rebecca, stop taking pictures. Every time, a, every time the water comes up, there's going to be a rainbow. <laughs> and, but I was just so blessed by God because he knew I wanted to see a rainbow. And here, we were not planning on going this place. It was nowhere where anyone had told us to go. But there was this, every time it would come up, and I was like, get the kids there. Let's get into the rainbow, you know. And, and, but it was a place that was barren. It was a place that where there was a crater and there had been a volcanic explosion, which there's a lot of places maybe like that. But it was just barren. Except for then there was this beautiful picturesque picture. And for me, it was this picture of from ashes, beauty can come. And so I did this little prayer for my friends in Ukraine. And there was these little places, even in the lava, where it was just black, but then little bits of green. And, and then it was just such a miracle because I, God knew I was having a hard time being there. And we went and spoke at the YWAM base, and then we went back on the last day. And I had, through this, the type of uh, tumors that I have are a rare type, and so I joined this support group. And on one, only one person that I reached out to on that support group of almost 7,000 people ended up being a former YWAMer who also has the same kind of purses in a different part of her pancreas. But I was praying about whether I should do this one medication, and she, also, she had to have a, a blood transfusion. Anyway, it was a little bit of a long story, but... The last day when we were going, I was going to give a thank you note to the people who picked us up at the airport, and a lady who had gone through breast cancer was there, and we were talking about the medication, and <laughs> Roma's literally saying to me, Rebecca, come, we need to go get, you know, we're going to, we need to get to the airport, and this lady said, I, I said, oh, well, I'm a little bit nervous about doing this medication because this other lady I met on this support group uh, had to get blood transfusion. She said, what's her name? I told her her name, and she had actually staffed that lady's DTS in 1999. So it was like, what are the chances that I'm going to meet, you know, these people? And I just think, you know, God knows me. He knows I need to know that he is with me in these circumstances. And so these coincidences, I just want to share because I want to encourage all of us that when we're going through these struggles or these, you know, these things, and we, d we don't understand why we should do or maybe not do something, that God, he's so faithful um, to, to show us and that he is with us. And so that is just a testimony I wanted to share of how he has been with us in this process.
when I use this mic, I always feel like, you know, that I'm supposed to dance for some reason, you know. I'm not a really good dancer, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> uh, um, anyway, but yeah, so it's kind of our personal, you know, uh, we know a lot of you and you know us as well. And so we wanted to share a little bit of personal kind of story and struggle through this time. But and tell you, that's where we are at right now. We're praying, you know, we have seen God working and moving so many ways during this struggle and, you know, hard times. But uh, uh, yeah, so it's kind of this double story where uh, on one hand, we're called to wait, you know, we're praying for Rebecca's healing and hoping she will be healed. And I mean, our best hope is we'll come back to Ukraine and help it rebuild it. You know, that's, you know, my prayer. I want to be back there. Uh, but at this time right now, we're we're waiting, you know, we're praying. So we invite you, you know, to join that. You know, if you guys have prayer groups or, you know, times at home, you know, remember us, please, and pray for us because, yeah, this is time of waiting for us. Time of waiting is not always easy. Um, but also, uh, you know, besides the personal story, uh, uh, you know, we're from the country that right now is uh, in the 60th day of war. Um, and so I would like to talk a little bit, you know, how do we process this uh, here while being here, you know, from pers perspective of us being here in the United States uh, while not being there. Uh, and so I'll share four points, you know, uh, and usually I love sharing about Ukraine. Every time, you know, we would have presentations or, you know, some kind of pictures or something like this, you know, to show what's what God is doing in Ukraine, you know. Uh, because even though I don't like standing before people and sharing like this, you know, God just fills my heart to share about Ukraine. Bec you know, and, you know, Bible says, out of abundance of heart, mouth speaks. And, but as I was preparing for this time, you know, I just felt this great emptiness. You know, there is no more opportunities like there used to be for ministry in Ukraine. There's not easy, you know, place uh, to, uh, or not easy to preach anymore because everybody's busy. They're helping uh, or uh, running away from the war. There's no children camps. Uh, and in fact, both our youth as a mission office uh, in Ternopil and the church they were part of there, they turned into refugee centers um, every day, uh, especially at the beginning of the war. Hundreds of people would come for a day or two days, stay the night, and then move on to Europe uh, to find, you know, and hope to find peace uh, and protection there. Uh, right now, estimated that up to 10 million Ukrainians will become refugees during this war. Uh, many of them, or most of them, actually women and children uh, who had to live behind their fathers, uncles, brothers, uh, or grandfathers who stayed behind to defend the, uh, their homeland. And so families are torn apart. Many will not be reunited at all. Uh, and all will be scared by this war to the end of their lives. Half of Ukrainians by the end of the war will have lost their home. Uh, and so the war didn't hit me here, you know, as it's there, but it touched everyone and everything we know and love about Ukraine. And so in my presentation, as I'm gonna be speaking uh, about Ukraine, I want to honor both the defenders of Ukraine and also the volunteers, our friends, who became the backbone of refugee effort in Ternopil and beyond. Uh, for me, they are the true heroes of, you know, today that I know of. So I will talk four points uh, about Ukraine. First of all, I want to talk about the truth. Um, second, about suffering. Third, about prayer. And fourth, I'll share a little bit about the work in Ukraine as it happened, 
happening right now. So uh, talking about the truth. So before I start on this point, I would wanted to say that I'm really thankful to the body of Christ uh, and how the church overall responded to the war in Ukraine. Many churches, many Christian organizations, uh, they're doing an amazing job uh, helping refugees, supporting the war against Russian invaders. Uh, and even opportunities to speak in churches are so important and valuable for us, you know. Um, we appreciate, you know, the prayers, the support during this time. Without that, like Rebecca said, we wouldn't be able to do this. We wouldn't be able to do to even take care of Rebecca or, uh, you know, or continue our ministry in Ukraine, even though remotely. Uh, and so, uh, but there is this part of truth uh, that I wanted to share with you uh, that came out kind of of negative experience that I had uh, uh, with some believers uh, and some conservative, I think, influencers, right? That's the word word that uh, is used these days. So uh, all my points, you know, take them as, you know, uh, my emotional response, my emotional reflection, uh, uh, you know, on this, yeah, to, to what I, I guess, saw and, uh, and met in some parts of conservative movement overall. Um, at the beginning of the war, I actually felt betrayed a lot. And I'll explain why. Uh, I am conservative Christian myself. My views mostly align with, you know, the ones that you would hear on conservative talk sh shows or programs. I vote according to these views. However, even before the war started, I noticed that some conservative commentators were, you know, starting to talk about Ukraine and sh say things that were either untrue or taken out of con context or blown out of proportion. Uh, I know Ukraine. It is not a perfect country at all. Uh, we have our problems. Uh, but what I heard was representing Ukraine as this kind of oppressive, terrible, like almost most evil country in the world. And I was shocked. I couldn't understand why. And then the war started. And it got only worse. You know, instead of prayer or support uh, for the country that protects itself from invasion, uh, I heard the Ukrainians somehow deserved it. That there was a justifiable reason for all the atrocities the Russian soldiers did in Ukraine or do it. And then I started hearing it from some Christians, not only on like TV, but from some Christians as well. So my heart was broken uh, when I heard on some conservative news the Russians don't bomb civilians while my friends are hiding in bomb shelters uh, all over Ukraine. When the villages and cities are raised literally from existence together with their inhabitants. My hometown where I was born was bombed. Uh, uh, a place not far from them town that has no military significance whatsoever uh, was bombed as well. Uh, uh, but then somehow I hear that it's all fake and that was just blowing my mind away. Uh, sadly, some of people that I know lost friends by now and family in Mariupol, if you hear anything about it, which being raised from existence right now, in Bucha, uh, where Russian soldiers were executing uh, uh, civilians. And so I've it was you know, sad for me to hear that Madonna, I don't know, maybe younger generation do not know who it is, but praying for Ukraine, right? And many people with whom I would usually agree uh, are not doing that. You know, they, they say that somehow Ukraine is worse than Russia or North Korea. I want to tell you something about Russia. I want to be honest with you. Russia is an oppressive regime. 
There's, there were few anti-war protests that happened the last few months. They were violently dispersed. Old ladies who lived through the horrors of World War II were dragged to police cars, detained, beaten. Putin is ruthless and evil. And according to the captured Russian soldiers, they go in two waves. First wave is attacking, but behind them other people that would not let them turn back, otherwise they would get shot. Uh, and I want to tell you that Putin does not mean to stop in Ukraine, but the world has a chance to stop Russia in Ukraine. In my opinion, this could be the battle of our generation because Russian leadership means to reshape the world, bring back the former Soviet bloc and all the evils with it. Some conservatives say that Putin is protecting cri classic Christian values, but I want you to listen to what imprisoned Russian opposition leader Navalny says about it. He says, every time European right-wing person expresses their sympathy for Putin, for his conservatives, I'm utterly baffled. Putin and his top brass are totally immoral and despise family values. Second and third families are norm for them. Mistresses with yachts are the norm for them as well. These are hypocrites who used to put people in jail for owning a Bible, but, bl sorry, but bless themselves in temples right now. They despise the middle class and treat the working man with contempt. In Russia, those who work are paupers. And I was baffled as well. And I, so I was thinking about this idea of truth and how important it is for us as a church. And, uh, you know, I was reading Bible and I would want us to turn to 1 Timothy 3, 14, 15. Apostle Paul there teaches young uh, Timothy how church should act. And he writes these things to him. Although I hope to come to you soon, I am writing you this instruction so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of truth. Uh, church is supposed to be the pillar and the foundation of truth. Uh, but I know, though, I know people on the ground being bombed. Many people here would rather believe what is on TV or talk show rather than eyewitnesses. This is a hard thing. And actually describes, in a sense, the state of the world right now. With the rise of atheism, truth lost its position as an ultimate judge. And later, as the study of human mind and psychology progressed, different powers realized that humans can be manipulated. And that's where we are right now. The, thi the, the same thing happened to us, actually, in 2014, when Ukrainians raised uh, against the tyrannical president uh, you know, when rebel, Ukraine actually had, in our short history, we had three revolutions and, uh, and two wars. <laughs> uh, but in 2014, Ukrainians stood up against this tyrannical president, and we lived through this when we came here and we talked to Russians living in America, and we would tell them what happened. They would say, that's impossible, because they saw something else on the TV. And we are here again in the same situation, just only worse. Uh, and this trust to talking points is only used to divide and conquer. It is interesting to see how Jordan, Jordan Peterson, if you know, he's a Canadian think thinker, talks about it in his video called A Wing and a Prayer. He talks about these views. 
He says, I watched Fox News release a message this week. There are terrible things afoot under the surface of our society, and the perpetrators are coming for you and coming for us. And then I watched the Democrats respond in panic and anger, saying there are terrible things afoot under the surface of our society, and the perpetrators are coming for you and coming for us. Are there terrible things afoot bubbling under the surface? Is something coming for you and for us? Ask yourself how true that is of yourself and your own life. Have you addressed all that? If we would take a sweeping overview of the United States today, we would find out that people on the left have their conspiracies and fears, and people on the right have their conspiracies, and everybody living in fear of each other. The problem of such theories is that they only confirm our fears and activate our anger. Did any conspiracy theory, ta theory taught you to love your neighbor better? Did it encourage you to make the world a better place? Did it push you beyond your comfort zone to share, to preach the gospel or love your neighbor or pray? Or did it inspire you to be angry, however righteous it might feel, but there is no way to righteously satisfy that anger? We readily take opinions of celebrities or influencers of tr uh, as truth, but many times they're not source of truth, and actually many times they're plainly wrong. So where is the truth here for which the sh church should be foundation and support? How is it possible to find the truth in the mass of misinformation and manipulation? And I wish I had an easy answer for you. Um, um, I feel that I'm right now I'm only pointing to the question or the issue, not a solution. Uh, I know the Bible, you know, how I do it, I know the Bible is true. That's for me a foundation. And so I try to seek truth there and learn how truth would look like in the world. And, uh, and I can tell you the truth of the Bible many times addresses evil in me before addressing it in my neighbor. With the situation in Ukraine, I have people who live there. I know the truth from the source, so they don't need to hear it from somewhere else. You know, uh, but it may, it may be not the case for many people who are living in the United States. And many times it's not the case for me either in other situations. But however hard the truth, it is hard to find the truth. It is something the church should be known for. How can we support or be, sound, uh, or be a foundation for truth if we ourselves do not know what it is, if we are lost in the ocean of opinions, uh, opinions and conspiracies. The world where atheism destroyed the truth, church should be a shining example of its eternal nature. Um, my second point that I would like to kind of reflect upon is suffering. Uh, if you know John Piper, in his sermon called The Glory of God in the Sight of Eternity, he says such things. He says, not only your affliction momentary, not only your affliction light in comparison to eternity and to the glory there, but all of it is totally meaningful. Every millisecond of your pain from the fallen nature of fallen man, every millisecond of your misery in the path of obedience is producing a peculiar glory you will get because of that. I don't care if it is a cancer or criticism. I don't care if it is a slander or sickness. It wasn't meaningless. It is doing something. It is not meaningless. 
and he bases his statement on 2 Corinthians 4, 16, 18, if you guys can open it up. Um, Apostle Paul says there, therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And, you know, I do not know if it was coincidence or God was working in our church in Ternopil already, but during the last year before the war, our preaching team in Ternopil, many times we would touch on the topic of suffering. And actually we were visiting a church uh, in Lewiston with Rebecca um, recently, uh, and uh, the preaching in that church was also talking about the topic of suffering. But overall, uh, it is not a popular topic in today's world. We don't like suffering, which is understandable, right? Because we weren't made for it. Uh, but Bible says that in this world, we will have trouble. And if we ignore it, if we ignore the topic of suffering, I'm afraid that we are doing God and our fellow humans disservice because we devalue it. We devalue human suffering. Another good example is if we look at the first Corinthians 4, 18, 8, 13, sorry. And Paul talks to Corinthian church. He says these words. He says, already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. You have begun to reign. And that without us. How I wish that you really had begun to reign so that we also might reign with you. For it seems to me that God has put us apostles on display at the end of the procession like those condemned to die in the arena. We have been made a spectacle to the whole universe, to angels as well as to human beings. We are fools for Christ, but you are so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are honored, we are dishonored. To this very hour we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags, we are brutally treated, we are homeless. We work hard with our own hand, hands. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. We have become the scum of the earth, the garbage of the world, right up to this moment. Corinthian church adopted this attitude in life in which they rejected suffering. Paul says, you think you have it all. You're rich, you reign, you're wise, honored, but he, as apostle, suffers. Um, and the truth is, uh, people in my country are suffering now. Our family went through a time of suffering, and now, as a Christian, I'm growing in understanding suffering from God's perspective. I'm learning that it is easy to be the hand of God in God's in person's life who is suffering by crying with those who cry, by rejecting the desire to explain the suffering away like Job's friends did, by not telling them what to do or how to fix it, even though this, it is my internal desire to find solution and fix things, but by being merciful and giving my hand to those who suffer. Ukraine in its imperfection needs just that, a prayer, mercy, help, and even in this, I believe that my God is big enough 
that he gives meaning to suffering. He covers it with his grace, and in no way he ignores it. And we shouldn't ignore it either. Because when it comes, and it will, we will be ready to face it as faithful followers of Christ, who himself was described as a suffering servant. Casting crowns, Christian band, have a song called I Praise You in a Storm. Um, and I just want to read it. But I never wanted to be in a storm, but here I am, uh, kind of relating to this song. And I'll praise you in the storm, I will lift, and I will lift my hands, for you are who you are, no matter where I am. And every tear I cried, you hold in your hand. You never left my side, and though my heart is torn, I will praise you in this storm. Um, so next thing, number three, I would really I, that I was thinking, kind of going through this process of reflecting upon everything that happened with us as a family and uh, is happening in Ukraine. And now I was thinking about prayer. I'm thinking, you know, how am I supposed to pray right now when my country is engulfed into the war with the country 40 times its size? And even before the war, when Rebecca was in the hospital in Ukraine, and I wasn't sure if she lived through the night, I was thinking, how am I supposed to pray? I was praying for, for healing for Rebecca. I am praying for war to stop from the day one of the war. But Rebecca is still sick, though there were some amazing improvements, which I'll tell later, which is totally God. Uh, and uh, war is still going on. Uh, and I find myself many times like David asking God if he even hears me. And if he does hear me, why he wouldn't answer me? And certainly God's silence can also be an answer to prayer. But I was thinking if there is something that I can do to influence God to make him move. Is there a specific prayer, a prophetic dance, or anything I can do that would make God heal Rebecca and win the war for Ukrainians? But there isn't. There isn't a prayer that can change reality to my will and break the free choices of bad leaders. God creates history considering human choices, good or bad. He leads history to the final redemption of humankind and all creation. And this eternally complex process uh, that only God can do and what he says in his plan will happen. But then how does the prayer work? You know, there are many good books and theologians who could probably explain it much better than me. But this is the process that I was going through. Th these are my thoughts that were forming during the last few months. Um, what helped me is reflecting upon one story in the Bible. It's Exodus 32, 9, 10. If you guys can open that as well. It's the story of Moses and the Israelites. Uh, actually, in this scripture, Moses talks to God. He said, uh, and God talks to Moses, I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger might burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. So a little prehistory. Israel did it again, right? So Israel just came out of Egypt. They saw God doing all the miracles, but then their leadership is gone for 40 days. Moses up on the mountain and they're like, what are we doing here? Like, what is, the, you know, why are we here? What? And they say, let's, you know, make God. And they make God, um, uh, or the whatever, they make an uh, idol. Uh, and they start worshiping, saying, oh, this is the God who led us out of Egypt. Right? So uh, God, you know, is 
righteously angry at them because they forgot him so quickly. Uh, and God, if you know who God is, God is king. And so uh, as king, every word of a king has to be fulfilled. So Israel at this point, literally on the brink of destruction. But Moses prays to God and he says, it's 11:14. he says, but Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger. Relent. Do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give you descendants all this land. I promise them, and I will be their inheritance forever. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster that he threatened. Moses doesn't have formula here, but he pours out his heart and begs God for mercy. And God changes his mind. When you say it, just think about it. This is actually incredibly amazing. The God of the universe not only considers the poor choices of Israel, but also the prayer of one faithful man. And this example is something that gives me hope that as I pray and plead God for Rebecca's health, and as I plead for this nightmare war to stop, God weaves my prayer into the fabric of reality as he creates his story, or as we call history. And he might change his thoughts and intervene and heal my Rebecca and my nation. To think that God of the universe can be so personal is incredible. And that our prayers have so much power as to move the heart of God is astounding. And uh, there are by now many great testimonies from the front lines where God intervened and helped Ukrainian soldiers. And though uh, uh, doctors thought that, uh, or no, the doctors didn't expect any changes in the tumor uh, that Rebecca has so early in her treatment, the last scan in February showed that her main tumor shrunk by one, by one centimeter, which is incredibly good result considering that she only had three or four shots by this time. So, uh, yeah, so to, the, uh, you know, to end all of this, I would like to repeat that I am thankful overall uh, you know, for the global church respond to this war. I'm thankful for thousands of volunteers, endless shipments of humanitarian aid for Ukraine and refugees. Uh, it is incredible to see ch church respond like this, you know. And so take this, my reflection, you know, um, uh, you know, kind of as a rem reminder that the church should be the spiller of truth in this world, merciful and understanding the human suffering with incredible power of prayer that can move God's heart, especially in the times like this. And the fourth point, uh, I, you know, I do want to share a little bit with what's happening uh, in Ukraine with their um, relief effort. I have a video from uh, that our church made uh, uh, a little bit talking what's happening there. Uh, when you'll see it, uh, our pastor, he's speaking there in our sanctuary. So you can imagine how sanctuary looks like this. You can see how sanctuary looks like right now in Ternopil. Maybe.
Mark? I would tell you a joke, but I don't have one, so. Um, uh, I, I can tell you this, though. Uh, so while they're getting ready there, so um, in the first months of war, uh, uh, our base, uh, violent base, comfortably can uh, have 30 people uh, stay a night. Every night, there would be about 130 people stay the night. Uh, staying day or two, then, like I said, moving on. The same with our church. Uh, in the little part that you saw there, this is actually our main sanctuary right now, and you could see there a uh, part of, um, it's a humanitarian aid, it's a refugee camp. Some refugees staying there right now, some refugees coming who staying somewhere else. It became like a center for humanitarian aid because many people, uh, they left literally with nothing but, you know, shirts, shirt on their, uh, on themselves, like, uh, so they don't even have normal clothes, and so, uh, our church right now, a humanitarian aid center, kind of where they come in uh, and go in. So um, uh, our base uh, uh, in the last month sent multiple uh, trips to the uh, front lines uh, taking refugees uh, uh, in the last month. I think uh, we acquired about five vans. You know, we used to have one one. Uh, but in the last months, we acquired about five more or four more uh, vans, and uh, these vans would go to the front lines, take as many people and bring them to Chernobyl, and uh, they would go on and on and on as well. Uh, the if you maybe heard uh, in Kramatorsk, uh, there were uh, Russian-bombed uh, train station that was full of refugees. So actually, our buses arrived at that location like five minutes afterwards. So they were kind of one of the fa uh, first responders there helping uh, people who got injured. Um, so, uh, yeah, so maybe, oh, is it on? Okay, sorry, too much time.
Um, so, uh, you know, we're incredibly grateful for this opportunity to share with you guys. And like I said, you know, Rebecca said, you know, everything around here reminds her of home. And for me also, right, we got married in this church. This church also was transformed out of, you know, uh, sanctuary into a, a wedding kind of place for us and it was amazing long time ago so we feel really close to you guys and uh, you know uh, and all, all I would want to say unless do you want to say something else okay Rebecca always has something to say <laughs> and then I'll finish it's just really always important to express as we share these things about war how much that we um, it can get lost in what we're sharing, but we absolutely love um, the Russian people and uh, in Belarus as well, where soldiers are coming from. We left our little uh, dog that we have um, with our very good friend who is Russian. She actually also had to flee Ukraine and go to, she's in a different place where she's actually going to have to, she is applying for asylum. And so this is a difficult thing for those nations as well. Um, we want, of course, the uh, Russian government, the Russians themselves are suffering under this tyranny of what Ramon shared, atheism, and, uh, the, and so is Belarus. And so it is our prayer for these nations as well that they would be free from this tyranny. And Ukraine is suffering at the hands of, Many of them, but are we do um, care deeply for what is happening in in the nation there as well, and so we just we want to make that uh, clear as well, and just as yeah in the prayer points, uh, just asking for prayer for all those those nations surrounding because we really need God to move, and it is our workers are very exhausted, they are tired, and you know you think. Before, it was a hope that this was just going to be quick, but now they have to prepare for a marathon. And so it's, but it is, um, you're just, everything is just changing so quickly. And so that is a major uh, prayer point and also a prayer point for our family, how to do that in the midst of what we're doing here. We've prayed if, you know, Ramon and the girls should maybe go on a trip. There's, you know, constant need for translators at the borders and different things. And so we're just in this constant place of, you know, prayer by prayer, step by step, moment by moment, and that's what everyone is doing right now in this process. And so those are some just really um, concrete prayer points uh, because there's just going to be, there needs already to be a lot of um, healing and um, forgiveness and, and rebuilding and um, just for that prayer right now even to be working in our hearts. Um, so, yeah, just to end this, I uh, would like you to invite you to pray on your own time when you have chance or you have small groups or any kind of groups. So please pray for Ukraine. We need, we, I don't remember the word in English, but we really need your prayer. We're asking for your prayer. And uh, to end this, yeah, I would like to invite you to stand up and I'll pray, sorry, I'll pray for Ukraine. Um, please agree with me on that as well. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity to share and really to get to know you closer, even through suffering, Lord, to, uh, through hard times in life, Lord. Uh, you are who you are, no matter where I am, Lord, no matter where Ukraine is, Lord. Um, and so we just plead right now, plead for 
uh, Ukraine for this war, for the bloodshed to stop. Lord, I pray that Ukraine would be able to restore its uh, independence and uh, territorial integrity, Lord, and uh, follow you as a nation, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name for after the war, when the war is over, that Ukrainians would turn to you uh, and would not reject you for the suffering that they experience in Jesus' name. And pray for Rebecca, Lord. I pray for healing for her. pray that you would totally would heal her body and uh, she we would be able to uh, go back to Ukraine and minister there as well. Uh, in Jesus' name, thank you so much for this church, Lord. I pray you lead them and direct them in this uh, time of uh, many times, uh, yeah, in the in this uh, sea of opinions. And uh, I pray that they would be able to discern what is true, Lord. That they would be able to know what to support, what to be the foundation and pillar for uh, in, in the United States, Lord. In Jesus' name, I pray. Give them wisdom. Give the leadership wisdom as well. In Jesus' name, uh, Amen.